turn with me uh, to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. This is going to be just a, a, a small series, basically, to cover this chapter. Uh, I'm thinking one of three. This is one of three to cover this chapter in uh, just basically titling it for others, for others. And we'll learn what that what that means as we study, as we read through and and see what the Lord has for us in these verses. So Romans chapter 15 and verse one, we'll begin by reading the first seven verses <clears throat> says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Father, that's, those, these are her marching orders. Lord, uh, thank you that you instruct us by your word. It's not left to our own opinion or our own ways. Lord, in fact, uh, I'm reminded as um, I was reading in Judges how it is that the, the people, Lord, as they turned their back on you, um, did things as was right in their own eyes. I pray, Father, that we would not do that. Lord, that we would not be stiff-necked, Lord, that we would not insist on our own way, but Father, that we would look to you to give us truth and that it would become to us wisdom, rightly applied knowledge, that you may be glorified, especially within the church, Lord, your bride. Let us learn this morning how to serve one another. And in so doing, Lord, to honor and bless you. And so, Father, we commit this time into your study. We ask your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. I want to begin by, uh, with a quote um, by one of my, my favorites to quote, and that is, and you know this, D.L. Moody. So D.L. Moody said this, quote, The best way to show that a stick is crooked is not to argue about it or to spend time denouncing it, but to lay a straight stick alongside it, close quote. You know, that, that should be one of those quote that, quotes that we, we often think about, you know, because, you know, we, we argue about certain things, and it's really to no avail if both of us are wrong. It makes no difference who wins the argument. What we as followers of Jesus want to do is to bless and honor him, to learn what it means uh, to walk in a way that honors him, to live our lives in a way that honors him. And so what we do is we, we lay that straight stick right next to our thoughts and opinions, our very lives, and see if what we say and think and do 
is in alignment with that straight stick, his word. I think much of the time we think of laying this straight stick alongside others, but neglect to lay it alongside ourselves. But the psalmist said in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist had it right. A heart that was completely surrendered and yielded to the authority of God and his word. As we gather together, as we sit under the teaching of God's word, I pray that we would have the same heart in this very moment that this would be our prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, even my thoughts, my intentions, and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, how refreshing. Perhaps this is why the Lord gave me at the very beginning just that, that word to be broken and contrite before him. To completely yield ourselves to his leading, his authority, his governance over our, our lives. You know, I often say pay attention to God's character as you read the Bible. To notice and acknowledge his consistent attributes displayed in many ways so that we too could emulate them and from them gain an understanding of him and his word and how to bring him glory. Well, I know because it's according to God's word that it's also important to pay attention to God's servants when they are displaying godly character. And as we know, some of those people were used by God as instruments to write his word as he breathed his word. That we are to also look to those servants as simple examples. A source of encouragement for us to live our lives in the same manner. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 said, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Did he not? We ought to strive for that. This whole letter has been for the purpose of producing sanctified and holy vessels of honor unto the Lord. This whole letter. We're almost through with it. We have just after this one, just one more chapter. Verse 16 gives us the purpose for all of it. Verse 16, he writes, So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome. And he said all of this, and I wrote some things that were difficult, but they were for this purpose. As we gather together, sometimes... And perhaps many times we hear things that are very difficult for us. They, they kind of hit us and we're convicted, we're deeply convicted. And, and we may even cry out to the Lord, that did not feel good. That was, that was cutting, that cut to the core. And yet that is a good thing. That is when the Lord can, can do surgery in our hearts. Taking out that which does not belong in and instead, 
inserting that which does, correcting things that are not how they're supposed to be. You know, one of the things is um, helping us to be sanctified and to be consecrated unto the Lord, to uh, be apart from the world and be uh, uh, separated unto the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 10, it says, Therefore do not be part partners with them, that, that, that is, workers of darkness. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, as we study God's word, we begin to understand what is pleasing to the Lord. We can't do it by osmosis, by just uh, being in close proximity to the closed Bible that's sitting on your nightstand. It won't come to us by the opinions of others or the definitions that the world gives us as far as what they believe the word says or who they believe God is. We will be discerning and pleasing to the Lord as we come to understand the word of God and then know how to apply it in our own lives. So part of the work that is going on this morning through the hearing of the word is that we would submit ourselves to its authority and allow God to shape us by it into the image of God. And by that, we would be acceptable in our living, acceptable unto the Lord. We are living sacrifices at the, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. For that is our spiritual worship, our reasonable service. It's what should be present in our own lives. And by that, we would be acceptable in our living, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit that is set apart in him for the glory of God. The question is, how do we do that? Well, by learning, knowing, acting, living according to God's word with others in mind and for others by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not just to build, well, it's partly to build ourselves up, but not by us, but in our own power, but by God's word. We are being transformed into his image. But as we are, as we grow in the Lord, it has little to do with us at that point and much to do with everyone else. Because even the fruit of the Spirit benefits others and it honors and glorifies the Lord. You'll see through this chapter what it means to live for the sake of others and therefore living as Christ lived. And we're going to take the first portion this morning and, and look at that. This is all for living to fulfill the Father's will by being the servant of all. Romans 12.1, again, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, one thing that I do want to encourage you to do in these first, uh, what, 13 verses that we're going to cover this morning, and perhaps throughout this chapter as we meet together again next Sunday and the following Sunday, is I encourage you to underline or note each time you read, servant, or the phrase, may the God of, and pay attention to what it says right after that. May the God of. Can I ask you a question? And you can answer. This is not a rhetorical question. This is actual, actual question. That phrase, may the God of. 
God, as it says in, um, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote of something very important. When, the, when we're going through difficult times in our lives, he told them that he is the God of all comfort, right? What's that? Of comfort. Yeah, he is the God of all comfort. As we are comforted, by God, we share in that comfort with others, right? Uh, he's also the God of what? And just go ahead and say whatever comes to mind is whatever you know to be true. God of all creation. Peace, peace, yes. Love. Order, yep. Mercy. Knowing, Yes. Patience. Amen. What's that? Power. Yes. God of all power. Graciousness. Is that? Yeah. Righteousness. Yes. Amen. Yeah. All of, all of those. But I didn't hear what was in Romans chapter 15. So I'm glad I didn't hear that. In a way, because we're going to be encouraged by what we see here. All of, all of those things are true, what you said. Encourage one another with that. The one thing that we're going to learn is how to bear with the failings in order to live in harmony. Bear with failings to live in harmony. Again, let's go to chapter 15 of Romans and just read the, the first few verses. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Bear with the failings to live in harmony. You know, those who are strong, and, I, and by the way, I described from the very beginning of when I got up here, those who are strong in the Lord. You know, it's in those times that we're going through tough times, uh, difficult circumstances, that we actually are proven we are proven one way or another, whether we're strong in the Lord or we're weak in the Lord. But those who are strong in living lives that reflect God's character in the wisdom of his word with faith and consistency have an obligation. And what is that obligation? We just read it to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. From the very beginning, we have this command by God. I know that we live in a day in which we do not, especially now, like to be told what to do. And yet, we like to tell everyone else what to do. But we need, again, going back to where's our heart? Is, is, it, is it humble before the Lord? We need to listen to this. What is our obligation? What is the obligation of those who are strong in the Lord? Bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
So from the very beginning, we have this command by God telling us that we are obliged to do something that is not easy. God did not call us to a plush life. He called us to reflect his character, to glorify him as he has saved us from the clutches of hell and eternal damnation remaining in our sin. In response to that, we are to learn how to love as he first loved us. And this is being explained here. It's not easy, but it's the right thing to do, and it's the good thing to do. There are two types of Christians. There's only, there's only two. There are strong Christians, and there are weak Christians. If you're getting strong, that means that you're not strong. Right? I pointed out last week how one is weak in the Lord, and we went over that. I want to just refresh your memory as far as that's concerned. Some who are weak in the Lord, it doesn't mean that you're less. It doesn't mean that those who are weak are less. It does not mean that. For new believers, new believers are weak because they don't know what they don't know. That, that's all. Ignorance is not stupidity. It does not mean that. It just means you don't know. So therefore, we need to learn. We need to grow. We need to mature in Christ. There are those who are considered to be sick believers. They're weak because they're either in bondage to perhaps legalism, compromise in their participation in sinful acts, behavior, their mental state, their attitude, their, their perspective. There are sickly believers who are weak because they're not taking in the word of God daily. Not spending time with the Lord in his word. Either because of personal neglect or bad teaching or as I said last week or both. There are immature believers who are weak because they're stuck in whatever stage of spiritual growth they're in and refuse to see beyond their present understanding of Scripture and grow in their service unto others and unto the Lord in a consistent manner. Here's a good way to test which camp you're in. Ready? And this is according to what we're covering this morning. Are you working with a person or people to build them up in the Lord? In other words, fulfilling the great commission of making disciples. Are you in that place to where you're discipling others, bringing them along? Or are you always desiring, seeking to please yourself in this life? Always about your comfort. And if something's of an inconvenience, inconvenience as far as the Lord is concerned, that you're not willing to do that. Again, this is not to condemn you. I don't want to come across that way. If I am, forgive me. I just want to state the obvious. I, I just want us to all know what the Word of God says. Because as Christians, we're all called on by God to live our Live, live for our neighbor's good, uh, to build them up. And that's what we just read. Let e each of us please his neighbor for his good. Not for our good, but for his good. And listen to this, to build him up. So are we doing that? Are we living for others? Are we serving 
others, even at our expense. We're going to see who the example is of how he lived his life at, and to fulfill the Father's will at his own expense. Because as we do this, we deny our insistence on justifying our lack of serving others because of our quote-unquote personality. Have you heard that? You know, it's just, that's not who I am. You know, I'm, I'm a person who's introverted, and, and I, I just, I'm, I'm not that person. Okay? I just want to tell you this. God makes no provision for your introversion. He makes no, no provision for that. He doesn't, he doesn't allow you to justify your lack of obedience because of your quote-unquote personality. He just doesn't. In fact, this is what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And follow me. He said, but except for the introverts. Those are the ones that... <laughs> he didn't say that, right? In fact, perhaps it's those people who desire mostly to just keep to themselves that are most blessed by going out of their comfort zone to bless others and build them up. We need to get past ourselves. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get past our circumstances too. Again, verse 2 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's consistent with what is written throughout the word of God. This is what blesses and honors the Lord. This is what he expects of us as his people. Because, and also, just a note, as we read that, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, in the midst of bearing with the weak and restoring them, make sure that you keep watch on yourselves. How do we do that? By abiding in God's word, acting on God's word consistent, consistently, and rejecting the compromise of anything that is not of God's word. You know, we're given to that, but that is a difficult task, and it is also a dangerous task. When someone is on a cliff, I remember my roommate um, when I was stationed up in Lemoore. My roommate was a medic. He was a uh, Navy corpsman, and he was attached to the search and rescue unit. And so he would go up in a helo and uh, conduct searches and rescues. Uh, since we were in Lemoore, we were very close to the Sierras, and so therefore... Uh, they rescued many hikers and many people who were lost up in the hills, up in the mountains. And I remember what he was, what the stories that he would tell me. How was that? There were even times when people would fall down uh, an embankment, and the only way that they could get to them is for is to have someone uh, come down the rope as the helicopter is hovering, and the pilot literally swing 
that crew member into that small section that the person was laying on, injured. Can you imagine that? It must have taken amazing courage to do that. But do you think that he, he was paying attention to himself as he was being swung into that ledge, onto that ledge? Absolutely right. Everyone was paying attention, all the crew members. That's how we need to be here, right here. As, as we are ministering to someone who is in need, keep watch over yourself. Make sure that you, you, you yourself don't fall in the same place where that person is. Hold on to that rope, trusting that they, they have, more importantly, trusting that the Lord has you. And just swing in. Receive instruction. Get that person out and into safety. We need to abide in God. The only way we can do that is by abiding in God's word, acting on God's word, and rejecting the compromise of anything that is not of God's word. In other words, draw them to God. Draw that person to his service. Draw that person into God's joy and his word. And we are to decisively not allow them to draw us away from God's word, away from our fellowship with him, and away from his people and his service. The moment they are influencing you to act in opposition to God's word, you simply, you acknowledge it, you confess it, you repent, and then you remove yourself. It's not difficult. You're not obliged to, to anyone except for the Lord, especially if they're drawing you away in opposition to what we know the word says. Remove yourself from being in an active relationship. Because at that point, if you insist on saying there, maybe you're not as strong as in the Lord as you thought you were. For myself, if I were to insist on remaining in, in sin and what I know not to be true, wouldn't you consider me to be weak in my faith? Why are you disobedient to the word of God? Absolutely, right? I myself would be weak in the Lord in my faith. Listen, when you deny all of that, this demonstrates that you value God's glory above all and demonstrate your love for him by your obedience and loyalty to his word and are willing to, again, we go back to denying ourselves. But where do we look for what we need? That's the Lord, because he is the God of endurance and encouragement verse 4 says for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope may the god of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with christ jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the god and father of our lord jesus christ you see, we are prone to lose hope. Did you know that? We're frightened a little bit. We're taken out of our comfort zone. And all of a sudden, you know, the one who was filled with hope and filled with strength and you were, you know, fearless. You're all of a sudden it's like <gasps> paralyzed. When things get progressively or in an instant more difficult, and difficulties come, 
or hard work or faced with hard work and it lasts for an extended period of time, we are more prone to lose hope. But God knows this. God, God knew this. We should be aware of this and, and find what we need from Scripture. It is, written, it is written for our benefit. We just read this. It is for our benefit. Scripture is for our instruction that we would endure. And through its encouragement, we may have hope. Now, to endure is not just to put up with, not to just hold on. It's like, okay, we'll get there at some point and just be stagnant. No, no, no. To endure is to persevere. It, it's to continue to advance, even in the face of difficult circumstances. Be consistent. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. Anyone fear, uh, feeling a, a bit weary in doing good? Sometimes we feel like giving up. That, that means that we're prone to losing hope, Right? And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. This is, this is a promise of God. If, it's conditional, if we do not give up. If you feel like giving up, don't. There's, there's a, this awesome reward for the person who does not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't let down, don't give up, and don't give in. Don't do it. Persevere, stand fast, and know what to do, and in whose strength you're doing it. The best way to prepare for when life comes and smacks you is to be prepared for the smack. Be prepared for it. Read God's word, know God's word, apply it to your life, and when, when difficult circumstances, situations, decisions need to be made, when you have knowledge of God's word, you're ready. You're not paralyzed. I knew this was coming. I was prepared for this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So be prepared so that you can continue being steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, I, I often also refer to um, football and, and, and those who persevere and are immovable, steadfast is is like that one guy you know you watch these videos uh this i saw one just recently as far as this this uh this strong big guy that had the football and he's going through and and he he breaks through a couple tackles he breaks through a third one he spins out and makes it into the end zone it wasn't easy for him it wasn't like he you know, he had the whole field open to him. He had obstacles. He had to zigzag. He had to spin around. He was hit once. He was hit twice. He was hit a third time. And he did not give up. He just kept going. Why? Can you imagine if he didn't expect to be hit? 
Have you ever seen a hit like that? It is spectacular. <laughs> I know I, I laugh, I chuckle sometimes when I see that. Uh, and at the same time, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that, that guy is down for the count. Um, I saw another one recently to where uh, this guy is just going down and he is not expecting someone to strike him from his left flank. And, and he, the guy cleaned his clock. Don't be like that guy. Be like the one that I'm describing to you, one that has the ball, is looking to the end. That is the goal. And I'm expecting to get hit, but I know how to counter that hit. Sometimes I spin. Sometimes I go right through them because I can. Sometimes... I'm hit and I just bounce and go in a different direction. Expect it. Learn how to take the hits and continue to persevere, being steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Again, verse 5 says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What is the goal of serving one another? That together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unity amongst the brethren. Oh, it's beautiful. It, it, it's pleasing to the Lord when the brethren dwell in unity. This is why divisions among his people are in direct opposition to God and what he desires. This is why the undermining of the body of Christ is so grievous to God. It serves to dismantle what would honor and glorify him. The very fellowship of the saints in obedience to his word and his worship in spirit and in truth in harmony. That's why it's critical that we come together, that we fellowship, that we, that we have this straight stick that we lay beside us as a fellowship. In our standard of fellowship is not our own standard. It's that stick. It's God's word. It's, it's his standard. And his word, his standard, is defined here. How do we accomplish this? Uh, dwelling together in harmony and unity by welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How has he welcomed you? grace, forgiveness, by bearing with you. You know, as I asked, God is the God of patience, right? Has he not been patient with us? Ought we not be patient with each other? Long-suffering. Has he not forgiven us as we confess and repent? All at the same time while speaking what is true, doing what is true, and fulfilling the will of the Father. You see, 
as we consider these things, as we're taught by the Lord, we ought to look to the perfect example. Christ is our example. And it's written out in verses 8 through 12. It says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. Our example is Christ. And as we consider what we just read, it was all looking back to what had been spoken and written, fulfilled in Christ. And therefore, if he is our Lord, our Savior, our God, then we reflect his character to others. We follow the same example. Are you a servant to God's people to show God's truthfulness? that we all might glorify God for his mercy. And this is what's brought out by these verses. Do you praise God among the people, and does your life reflect joy in Christ? If you do not reflect it in your countenance, make sure that you communicate what you claim to have, that joy, to your face, so you can reflect it. There's ways that we can reflect it. And I know that's something that we say in our family, you know, uh, as far as how we, um, our countenance, you know, it's like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And what do I say? <laughs> Tell your face that you're okay because it's reflecting something else. That, that ought to be known by others. Your, just just your, your posture with others. Do you praise God among the people, and does your life reflect joy in Christ? Are you leading others to praise the Lord and lift his name above all? Listen, if you're a parent, your kids are just simply part of your responsibility. This is addressing more than your family. There's a reason why we're gathered together as his people. This is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 speaks of us all doing our part and therefore fulfilling the Lord's will and building each other up in sound doctrine. We are a part of that work. In whom are you encouraging others to hope in, to trust in, to live for? Is it Jesus? Is it for his glory? Listen, God is the God of endurance and encouragement. Verse 5 says that God is the God of endurance and encouragement. This is what we need to live in harmony. To ask the God who can supply you with what you need for endurance and encouragement. That you may be able to withstand the enemy's attacks and your own weaknesses. Our own weaknesses. 
He is the God who can supply all my needs. And so therefore, I'm going to ask him without doubting, with complete faith, knowing that he can supply this endurance. Do you find yourself weak and without strength? Ask him for endurance. Do you need encouragement? Go to his word and ask him for encouragement. God is the God of hope. Are you lacking hope? Because verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He wants hope to abound in you. The jo- Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. You guys, anyone know that by heart? Go ahead, someone, whoever. Uh, the joy of the, there we go back to joy, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That is our strength. Why would we rejoice in the Lord? Because we trust and believe in his word and his promises. What he's spoken, so it is. Therefore, I walk confidently in that. And my response to that is, I rejoice. I am full of joy because I am hopeful in his word. I proclaim his goodness. I proclaim his righteousness. I proclaim his holiness. He is faithful. And he has done the work of reconciling me unto the Father through the Son. And therefore, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I simply enjoy his grace and his goodness. And live my life in response to that. How do you know, though, if you're lacking hope? You don't have a joy and a peace in your life. Here's a way to find out. You're always saying something like this. I believe. But. Right? You insist on remaining in that state of mind or that state of heart. And in that place, joy and peace will escape you. You're anxious for much. And you have fear of and fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, y'all ought to recite this by memory by now. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what we need. We, we need him to stand guard over our hearts and our minds. Because our, our hearts are deceitful and wicked who can know them, right? Our minds can run away from us. We need to submit them to the, 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 the authority and governance of the Lord according to his word. We want him to cover us. But how do you have joy and peace? Simple. Believe God at his word. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's simple, but are we doing it? Let us learn to be obedient to God and bear with failings to live in harmony with one another as God, God's word, prescribes us to do so. This is humility. This requires it. It is critical that we apply humility, meekness, um, esteeming others more than ourselves. 
looking for opportunity to serve one another. But it demands us to be consistent in our relationship with Christ. It demands from us to be that stronger Christian that we may have something for the one who perhaps is weaker and needs help to come into the body of Christ and to dwell with harmony with one another. It requires all of that. I want to go back to hope, and this is what I'll close with. In a world of chaos, remember God is in control and he is a God of order. Regardless of what the world looks like, all right? I know, I read the headlines, uh, I, I, I see everything that's going on. Regard God above it all, okay? God has not abandoned his throne. He is sovereign. He knows. In a world of chaos, God is in control and he is a God of order. In a world of uncertainty, God is certain and he is stable. In a world of confusion, God is truth and light. In a world of disunity, God has offered harmony and a restored life unto him through Jesus Christ. That's why we ought to express that peace, that confidence in the Lord. That gentle spirit. Why? Because we know, we have confidence. We are walking in faith because our Savior is Jesus Christ. And we have the hope of eternal life in his presence, in his glory. In a world of hopelessness, God offers hope through Christ and that we may be filled with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you abound in hope? If you're here this morning and you're not abounding in hope, it's for one of two reasons. Number one, you are his and are disregarding his word. Uh, you aren't standing on the truth of God's word and you need to repent of that. You need to confess that. That's a sin. It's a sin of disobedience or rebellion. Uh, the sin of doubt and faithlessness. You need to repent of that. and You need to come into that place of having complete faith in the Lord. So I would ask that as we close that you would... Pray and ask the Lord to, to forgive you of that and to help you to be strong in the Lord. And the other person who perhaps does not know hope this morning is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know what it means to be forgiven of your sins, to be delivered from the clutches of hell, because that is, hell is real. Hell is a place for those who have completely rejected Christ and the only way we go there is to completely dismiss and reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. The offer of his grace has been extended to us. But God demonstrates his love toward you and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. We know that what it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, right? That is, those are promises. Those are true. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know salvation through Jesus Christ, then I, I would ask you, if the Lord is convicting you, 
that this would be the day of salvation. We all desire, I, I desire that you would know that hope. Yield your life to him and you, you, will, you will see what it means to have a life that is resurrected in Christ and you're given a new heart and a new perspective and a new goal. Pray that you would cry out to him. Ask him for forgiveness of your sins because none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ask him for forgiveness and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And then ask him to work in your life. He will. Tell someone and allow others to come alongside you and build you up in the Lord. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for your promises, your love, your, your grace, your mercy, your patience with us. And I do pray, Father, if there's anyone who is lost here this morning, is, does not know the hope that can only be found through Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. That in this very moment, they acknowledge that before you. They don't need to acknowledge it before anyone else, but before you, first and foremost, Lord, that you, being God, Lord, would, through your Son, Lord, justify them by their faith and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Your word tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. But Jesus paid what was owed by us in full by his shed blood. How wonderful of a sacrifice. And so I ask, Lord, that you would move in those hearts and that they would surrender their lives to you. For any who are in a place of hopelessness or they lack joy, Father, forgive us. We can always have more joy. I pray, Lord, that we would deny our flesh. We would turn away from those things that are not of you. And let us with confidence, Lord, stand on your word and be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in our service unto you. And so, Father, we thank you for this moment. We praise you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.